The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Good afternoon. I am Lynn King-Smith, uh, CEO of Ticket Force, sitting here in sunny, very hot Phoenix, Arizona. And I am happy to welcome you today to our web chat series, Succeeding in a Boys Club. This is episode two, and today is a live chat with Jody Goodman, president of Live Nation Northern California. Jody, thanks so much for taking the time and being with us today. Absolutely. Hi, Lynn. How are you? Good, good, good. Happy to be here. It's fabulous. It should be fun. Yes. Well, I met Jody on a <laughs> panel at uh, Polestar last year. And we've stayed in a bit of touch since. And she's just, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and start in with her bio. And then uh, what we do, this is just a very informal um, series of questions. And my goal here is to really talk to women like Jody, um, Lori Kirby, who we did on our last episode, to try to give all of us in the music and live event industry kind of a glimpse as to what it's like to succeed um, as a woman in an industry that's been for years and years largely dominated um, by men. So that is done hopefully to give other women encouragement, to give men that work in this industry encouragement of, um, you know, really breaking down all the walls and barriers to um, women succeeding in this industry. So as president of Live Nation Northern California, Jody Goodman oversees concert buying and promotions for um, a regional portfolio of prolific venues, um, highlighted by Shoreline, which is the flagship amphitheater in Mountain View. Their venues include Concord Pavilion, Sacramento Amphitheater, the iconic Fillmore, and the newly renovated SF Masonic, in addition to third-party venues throughout the region. Oh, Goodman's office is responsible for selling more than 1.5 million tickets every year. Since taking office as president in 2011, her business unit has experienced a succession of growth each year. Congratulations, Jody. That's fabulous. Um, Thank you. <laughs> to go back, her career began in the 80s, where she was booking clubs and colleges in, uh, in New England as an independent talent buyer. And then she quickly advanced to vice president of booking after being employed by Don Law, which is New England's highly respected dominant promoter of that region. And while there, Goodman led the development of Harbor Lights, which is a world-class boutique amphitheater on the Boston waterfront. She helped develop artists to the arena and amphitheater levels. And then she left in 03 as senior vice president with strong industry relationships to help book and promote concerts in the Bay Area for Bill Graham Presents DBA Clear Channel Entertainment. She was a lead buyer for the company with an emphasis on boutique venue, the Mountain Winery in Saratoga, in addition to overseeing the marketing division. Of late, Jody's work has left a lasting impression on San Francisco. Working in collaboration with the America's Cup Event Authority, Live Nation built a unique 9,000-seat waterfront concert venue in 14 in front of the America's Cup Village. Goodman and her team programmed a well-rounded and exciting series of artists at the venue, including Journey, Sting, Steely Dan, and Imagine Dragons. The concert series received industry and citywide acclaim from politicians, media, cultural supporters, and gaining strong recognition on par with the races themselves. It's a fabulous story. Together with Live Nation's national touring content, Goodman's staff of experts in the industry nurtures events both large and small. It will always be her ambition to help create memorable experiences that help shape the cultural landscape of the Bay Area. What a job description. Welcome, Jody. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, fabulous journey. I can't wait to, to hear, hear you talk a little more about it. But I always like to start with your world just to give us perspective. Tell us about family, pets, home. What do you, what do you got going on? 
Uh, well, I've been married since 2006, and uh, I have a seven-year-old son. Um, and we, as a family, just lost our pet rabbit. Oh. Yes, folks, I have had a pet rabbit. Um, they, <laughs> they make actually great pets. It's very sad. Um, so we are um, without pet at the moment, but, um, you know, we're still very, very blessed little little trio of a family. We live in Marin County in NorCal, um, right out over the Golden Gate Bridge. So that's quite uh, quite an environment to, to go home to. That's fabulous. What is the lifespan of a pet rabbit? Actually, uh, not, not as long as ours. Ours live to uh, 12 years, and, you know, they generally... Wow. Often they say, you know, you're lucky if if they can make it to ten. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, is there a replacement in the future? We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I, I would think at some point soon. Um, just not not totally, you know, uh, on the focus of of that right now. <laughs> um, but I'm sure I'm sure we will be adding another another person, friend, family, pet to the yeah to the group soon for yep. sure. Well, that sounds fabulous. It's always good to take pause and realize, you know, how blessed we all are with family and, and loved ones in our life. So, Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. Um, so what is it that you're currently obsessed with? What's on your mind the most? I mean, listen, <laughs> I don't know if we want to get too far into this one because, you know, as much as I'd like to say I'm obsessed with, you know, this new record coming from Mumford & Sons, um, I'm really more obsessed with, you know, uh, politics and uh, the election and global warming and, you know, all, all the things that are happening in, in our country right now. I mean, that's what really sort of, you know, takes me out of my... Um, day-to-day, uh, you know, usual obsession with, with music. I'm, I'm, I'm actually so focused on, on news and NPR and all these different, <laughs> uh, different you know, outlets to, um, to hear more about, you know, what's, what's going on that I'm not spending enough time in, in my music world. But producing shows and, and being involved in the concert industry certainly, you know, allows for plenty of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I think you'd have to have an off switch to not be slightly obsessed with our current political situation. So that's very understandable. I mean, I'm a I'm a bit of a news junkie as well, but um, even more so in an election year. So I just find the whole thing fascinating for some reason, particularly this year. Yeah, for, for lots yeah. of reasons. It's intense. It is. It it's is. intense. Everything about our 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 world and our lives right now is very, um, very intense. Right. Well, you know, and, and it's hard not to mention just, you know, historically that we've got another historic election, you know, especially for women, um, no matter what your party, there's, this is still a first for us as a country, um, which is hard to believe that it took us 240 years to get to where we've got, you know, a woman on one of the major party tickets for president, but that, that definitely changes things. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's a big deal. I mean, I think it really sets, you know, sets a tone for, you know, how far um, women have come and our society has come with feeling, you know, some level of, of comfort um, around women in top positions and, you know, high-level professions. So I think it's, it's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's and, awesome. You know, that's why I was so excited to talk with you and have you take part in this series because, you know, my, my thought, what I'm trying to bring awareness to is that we have a lot of freedom in the workplace and women are, are, are you know, a majority of workers in the workplace are women now, but it's those leadership positions. It's getting to be president of a company like Live Nation, which, you know, the largest entertainment group in the world and you have a presidential level job there. That's a big deal. Um, and so I, I appreciate you bringing that to this conversation. Yeah, cool. I mean, I, listen, I, I have been, um, you know, I've been in this profession a long time, and I think, you know, it just, for me, it feels like a very natural place for me to be, that, you know, eventually, I, I almost sometimes feel like I've been working all along towards this, this leader, leadership role, um, not knowing about it, you know, necessarily in the early stages. I don't know that I ever really had this big, you know, plan and vision of, oh, one day I'm going to be the president of a big entertainment company. Right. I think when you get in the music business early on, as I did, it was just a very organic, um, you know, part of my, my life. It just was was very natural place, falling into the nightclub culture at first, and then eventually being noticed by the big promoter and being asked to join in that, you know, more of a business environment and just, you know, doing it for so many years. And so being a part of this company, I think, you know, when the time was right, um, when that position was open, you know, our um, CEO and president, Michael Rapino, just, you know, took notice and, and of me and, and all that I have accomplished and just seemed like I was a natural fit for for the role. So the timing was great, great. and, you know, everything just sort of naturally, organically, you know, found, I found my way into this position. Yeah. And, you know, you were saying offline before we, we started the broadcast that, that you don't, you haven't experienced um, currently gender bias. So there was none of that when, when uh, this position came open, you didn't feel like you had to, you know, prove yourself as a woman to be capable for that job at, in the Live Nation environment. Is that correct? Yeah, no, I think, listen, I, I think a lot of times, you know, your accomplishments, your reputation, it all speaks for itself. And eventually, you know, I think people notice you. And often I've been asked, you know, what should women do or young girls who are getting into the business, you know. And it's it's really just about, you know, I think when you're, when you're just really good at what you do and, you know, you have that passion, it really... Um, you know, I, I think that you just, you're, you find yourself hopefully being noticed for your professional accolades as opposed to possibly your sexuality. Right. And, you know, I, I think that that's happening more and more, but I think it's incumbent upon the women to really identify their own strengths, their own sense of power, um, and even their weaknesses. Like, I'm very aware of my weaknesses, <laughs> and I'm not... 
you know, I, I don't claim a big ego uh, often to, to hide them. I just try to make sure that, you know, I can, I can sort of plug those holes, you know, whether it be with other employees or finding ways to learn myself out of those weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's really um, just that sense of, of it. So I think, you know, there, nobody was really looking at, at me at the time and thinking, well, she's a woman, should we give her this position? It was, if anything, it was even more illuminating that maybe, wow, how cool. Right, right. She's a woman, and you know, let's do this. Like you got this. You're, you're, you're the one. Yeah. Um, you know, and so again, just, just sort of, and I think that's true for men, women at any given time. It's sort of right place, right time. But you know, you yourself, I think, um, just have to, you know, sort of make that path. Do you, you know, I didn't ask you this ahead of time or, or prep you, but do you, you know, the opposite of gender bias? If you're in a male focused or male dominated industry do you feel like being a woman sometimes makes you even pop or stick out a little more maybe get noticed is is that ever come into play oh absolutely yeah and I, I think from even early on in the beginning I think that um you know, when I was plucked out of the, um, just doing my own thing, I was independent and I was really creating a stir um, by, you know, starting up nightclubs and, and being somewhat very effective in the industry. And I think the guys running over uh, the business at Don Law, I think, you know, after we met, I think, again, it was the same thing, you know, that a female brings a different perspective to, to the whole environment that they're in. And so that's a real positive, you know. And I think that's true, you know, in a marriage, in a friendship, in a relationship, not necessarily always that it's, it's, a, it's a female-male, um, but it's just, I think just naturally we, we both have, men and women have different things that are really in our DNA, true to our upbringing, true to society that, you know, sort of brings things to the table that are that are different and and that you know are actually of real worth that you know bring something that has value um, that's different so yeah I think that I have been I have felt somewhat empowered almost not by being you know but by being the only female maybe or one of a few mm-hmm. um, you know it's it, it's very empowering now, on the flip side there was early times in my career where it was very intimidating. Um, you know, as I really started to enter into the industry and notice more that in the higher echelon of of real, you know, top level business decisions were being made by by mostly men and being in a room where you are with mostly men. Um, you know, it, it, you can't help but just there was that that sense of you know just looking around and feeling like wow this is strange why it, it feels weird you know it's I've been but, there but too. I you know <laughs> it does and I and I got to tell you now I understand like because in a way you're a minority and now I understand why any minority might feel strange when they're in the, in an environment where you know they are just you know one of a few um, in comparison there's just something psychologically that just goes in your head you know your brain just is you know you just notice it and you just have to stop yourself right. and just move on I mean more and more that should become and will and has become more just you know normal you know think about it but right right 
It's, yeah. it's all part, all, I mean, there's many times we all walk into a situation and whether you're going into a store or part of a different part of town, something where all of a sudden you realize like you're one of two, whatever it is, you know. Exactly. And, and it's exactly. just a good, I think it's a good feeling to feel and to realize that there are people who deal with that um, on a daily basis and based on what your job is and, and who you are. Um, you may feel that every day at work, and that's a pressure that is, is it's just good for us all to experience a piece of that, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, listen, the music industry, but I think also, as I'm, I see a lot in all these other industries and in tech, you know, there was a time where there was very few female leaders in tech that became sort of a narrative for a while, you know, why aren't there more women um, leading in tech industries and, you know, more and more there's just that movement of, you know, just the recognition of, yeah, why is that? And then women themselves having to really get in there and know that, you know, it's, it's an open field. It's not necessarily, you know, maybe there are some places where it isn't, but for the most part, you know, you want to find the places that are um, and navigate your way into where you know that there's there's that, that openness. But, you know, all these big companies, big and small, um, are starting to just get more open-minded about diversity, about opportunity, um, Mm-hmm. And, and and all that. So I think it's just a really good time in general. Yep. I agree. I agree. I'm very hopeful. So what are uh, just, you know, I think there's very few of us that are going to experience what it's like to, to do your job or even get close to that. What are the best and worst parts of, of your job as president of Live Nation Northern California? Um, you know, I think I think the best part is is you know, absolutely just, you know, promoting the show, getting the show, and and bringing people together um, for the music experience, which, you know, I think that's always been the gravitational pull for me, even, you know, young, going to concerts, I always felt like that was the one place where, you know, people were unified, and there was just that, that common thread, that bonding, that all these strangers could come together and be connected through that artist and mm-hmm. all the, the music, which obviously is also a very joyous experience. So, you know, I mean, that's, listen, I mean, to be, to be involved in, in, in an architect of that and bringing the people together, right. by far the best. Now, conversely, the worst would be <laughs> not getting the show. Not getting the <laughs> I mean, show. <laughs> right. Not getting the show. I yeah. mean, you know, and it's upsetting. And, you yeah. know, my guys, I always, I get really, um, you know, it's it's upsetting. It's frustrating. It's not just a comp, it's, it's, sure, it's the competition side of not getting the show. Okay, there's, oh, wow, you, you lost. You know, there's yeah. winning and losing and getting the show. But... Aside from that, there is the uh, the true philosophical kind of, you know, inherent connection to, wow, I'm not going to be part of, you know, booking and promoting Alt-J. I'm not going to be part of booking, you know, an yeah. artist that I really love, that I want to be part of that journey. And it could just be that, you know, my situation as a promoter um, which means that I'm, you know, I have very specific access into 
uh, venues that, that we either um, own or operate or some sort of booking agreement with. Right. Um, you know, if artists at some point, as they progress out of that, they don't fall into my world and maybe they're falling into a festival world, which I may not be part of, or maybe they're falling into a boutique style venue that my competitor might have. For yeah. whatever it is, you know, I'm not a part of that, that artist. And, um, and that becomes very, you know, personally, that's just, you know, the worst part. But, but, um, but by far the, the, the best parts outweigh the worst part. Yeah. So. so the best part so is I'm winning all, and the worst part is losing. <laughs> I guess, I guess you <laughs> right. I guess that's right. Uh, that's right. Well, that's right. Now I know why you have your job. <laughs> that's really funny. Um, you know, I, I love talking to uh, other busy people about how you manage your life and your work. And generationally, we find that, that it's really interesting the way Gen X handles life and work and approaches that versus millennials, you know, versus baby boomers. Um, how do you do that? Do you work constantly? Do you have times where you're turned off? Um, you know, I mean, I, I can imagine you've got to be pretty on most of the time. How do you manage the, the, the quote, work-life balance? Yeah, I mean, listen, you, um, at least for me, I, there really is no turning off. I mean, the, the business that that I'm in is, is very fluid. So there's always shows, and I think there's always stuff going on. And when you're the president, you know, you, you may not be aware uh, or at the show, but, you know, things are happening in your office, so you're always going to know, um, you know, is something that you might need to know. So, you you know, you're always, you're 247, always approachable. I'm constantly looking at, you know, my email just to make sure that, you um, Within several hours, of, you know, that might have gone by, that you know, any anybody need me or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you know, most of the time, you know, my folks will say, you know, just just turn off. You know, if we need you, we'll we'll call you or something. But I think that you know, it's very difficult. I think you know, mentally, I have a hard time with it. But I also have built um, an incredible, uh, you know, group of 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 people in my office who are highly accomplished all experts who I feel, you know, we have a saying here, you know, let's divide and conquer. And that way, it's not all on me. I don't need to, um, to do everything, you know, and so I can, I can have other people taking on lots of responsibility. And that really helps me be able to, you know, kind of turn off so that when I am spending time with a seven-year-old, you can imagine, you know, you, you want to spend as much time with someone, you know, in your life that young because it goes so quickly. All right. Um, and so, you know, there, there's that balance of, you know, knowing that, you know, my workforce has really got my back, so, so I have some comfort in that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if any relationship you're in, anybody who marries you or <laughs> you are in a relationship, you, they know what they're dealing with. So they've already signed up for, you know, this certain amount of, you know, equal sharing um, a relationship to to that industry. I mean, Absolutely. that's just a fact. So, you know, so that that helps too. And I think that you know the awareness that you're surrounded by your family and your coworkers, which is really family number two. Um, when you're working with two families, which is what it comes down to, yeah. in family, one would assume that you know you're covered, right? Your family's got you. That's so true. that really helps me um, in balancing you know, my life and, right. and this work. 
What, what do you do to relax or rest? Um, you know, it's funny. I think relaxing for me would be, well, I guess it would be um, what it might be for most, which is, you know, escaping into some place that you're completely transported and removed. And while I wish it was in more of the fitness <laughs> and mindfulness zones of meditation and maybe some yoga, no, I'm more, I immerse myself into um, storytelling. That seems to be yeah. my go-to, uh, which has really been, you know, mostly I find whether it be, in, you know, in, in film, which is what it was for a long time, and now, you know, I mean, television and, and some of the storytelling that's happening there is just phenomenal. And while I wish that I could say that I'm reading books, I'm not, because in the time that I have to read, I'm immersed in trades and things that revolve around my industry to help me constantly keep up with what's going on in my industry. So reading books and storytelling has sort of fallen to the bottom, whereas film and television, and that, that really is... Um, kind of gets me into that, you know, I'm transported into another world that really just, you know, I can sort of enter into this other character's plight or joy or whatever. And so for me, that, that's, you know, that does it. That's fabulous. I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with, um, I think sometimes it just, sh you got to shut down. And it, even if you're reading, you're working a little bit. So Thank God for yeah. media, you know. <laughs> Great big TVs, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. No, it definitely, um, you know, just right now, I mean, you know, and more than ever, there's just incredible yeah. work happening um, in that medium. Yeah. Well, you told me at one point, we were, you were talking about, use this phrase where you said, there are women sprinkled throughout the company. And I don't know if you remember saying that. Um, in. And the sprinkling word I thought was really significant. You know, do you see that changing? Is that on the where you know it won't we won't be sprinkled throughout in in live entertainment? Well, you know, the sprinkling meaning <laughs> in high in high profession, right, right? In 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 high position. So if it would be president roles or COO roles or yeah. um, you know vice president roles, I I think that's still. Um, you know, I think it's, there's a generation that's coming into that. My generation is more of the sprinkling um, because I, I think it's just taken that long. You know, it's just it's kind of it's kind of a movement that you know yeah. it, it's taken that long. And you know, it's interesting about Hillary and and I I relate to this, and this is what I said earlier about myself is that I've been doing this a long time, and mm -hmm. so it's like an earnout. You know, I, I I feel that you know after a long time you reach this this level of qualification and in many ways I think that's where Hillary's at right I mean she yep. spent I don't know I feel like it's been about 30 years of of public service and so finally you know the next you know progression would be would be president and so I feel like a lot of I see a lot of young women um, working with me where, you know, they're on the path. I mean, some of them are are going to be real um, leaders and already are leading a certain department mm -hmm. for us. And, you know, and I think that's that next 
you know, kind of generation. So, so right. it's happening. It definitely is happening. It's just the, you know, the sprinkling that I see is, you know, one COO here and there, one, you know, or a couple of female presidents. We have a few now, you know, in a sea of many. Um, and I think that's what I what I meant. But right. but still very can see the. I guess can can really see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah I just watched the uh, the French Open final with a women's tennis match, and I I'm not going to remember or even try to pronounce the gal's name right, but she's 23 years old, which is the age of my youngest daughter, and she just beat uh, Serena Williams uh, for her first big championship, and and she was adorable. She's 23, and she got up and said something to the effect of. I've worked my whole life for this. <laughs> it's like you're 23. Like, you know, right. that's great. Right. But, you know, some people reach those goals after they have actually worked 20 or 30 years for something. So, you know, I, I, I hope they have the patience. I know these young, I think more young girls are coming into the field. Um, and, and maybe they'll just shoot right to the top. But uh, I know. think so. I think it's going to happen a lot quicker. I mean, I've seen it happen a lot quicker, not just for women, but I've seen some of my um, peers who are younger getting into high positions earlier. So I, I do think so. And, you know, I mean, you look at, I mean, now it's just some of these young female artists that are just moguls. I mean, can we say Beyonce, you know, Taylor Swift, uh, uh, Lady Gaga. I mean, these yeah. girls, I, I call them girls, but yeah. I'm only saying girls because they're in their 20s, for God's sake. I know. And they are running, like, major empires. And I'm sure there's so many, there's probably young young girls in, uh, uh, you know, some of these young women in, in tech, too, and um, yeah, it's it's just incredible, um, you know. So I think that, and and I think they're setting the stage too, and they're setting a tone for some of these other women who, um, young, you know, artists in the industry, in the music industry, the artists themselves, they're also helping to sort of, you know, create that sense of, you know, a real pathway and yeah. not not feeling that it's just being run by, you know, men and producers and, you know. Have to go into the whole Kesha story, but you know all that stuff. That yeah, is just right? there's just lots of um, lots of I guess women, girls helping each other, all sort of standing on each other's shoulders to kind of get ourselves, um, you know, up to where we're trying to get to. Mm -hmm. I remember when we were did the the panel at uh, Polestar this last year, just being in that room. Um, and seeing probably 300 mostly women, a lot of young ones that were in this industry. I, I mean, there was electricity in that room. It was a fabulous feeling to to be there and and see how many people are in this field and just killing it. Um, it's I think the future is is bright. I agree. Yeah. So agree. you know, a lot of times with women, it's said that we're often our own worst enemies um, and some some parts of maybe why we don't have as many women in high places is because we we get to certain points and then and then we think you know maybe I shouldn't be here and, and you start to doubt yourself a little bit and it's a pretty common thing that happens did did you ever have a time where you kind of doubted yourself I mean you're very confident or did you ever wonder like why am I doing this why am I trying so hard yeah you know I, I think there are definitely times where I didn't really push myself but 
everybody has a different, I guess, way of um, of approaching things. And you know, and some some. I don't know. I you know I go back and forth a lot when I think back at that time. I think that I was maybe just feeling you know afraid. But then you know, but then I also think back at some of the things that I did to really stand up for myself. I mean, I walked out on a very big company um, when I wasn't feeling that I didn't have the growth opportunities that I was due, and that I was being um, probably marginalized a little bit, you know, and at that moment I decided, well, you know what, if if I can't do it here, then I'm going to do it somewhere else. That was very bold. Yeah. Um, and so when I think about that, I'm like, so the flip side is, Jody, if I had to stand outside of myself and, you know, have these conversations, it'd be like, yeah, you weren't secure at this moment. You didn't really, um, you should have, you know, probably you know, pushed harder, but, you know, maybe it's just the timing, you know, maybe for whatever reason, men don't feel that there's a timing, maybe there's just like, you're just programmed to go and get it regardless, I don't know, I really don't, that's, those are philosophical, you know, uh, kinds of, you know, questions, I, I just know for myself and how I've had to sort of review my career and watch myself stopping myself and listening to other women that work with me and where they feel like, you know, it's taken me a while to get the confidence. You've certainly helped me get that confidence, but I too had to kind of fall a little bit, kind of, you know, and I think that's just true where, you know, you have to put yourself in the situation, and it doesn't feel good. It's kind of icky, I have mm -hmm. to say. Yeah. Sometimes being in a situation where you might fail is very icky, um, and and I think you know that that could be male female situation. I think that's just human um, side of of being a professional and growing. Sometimes you have to take those risks, and and so so there's been times where I guess in answer to your question, I have felt both. I have felt right. I have sort of held myself back due to my own insecurity and my own self-inflicted sense of intimidation, mm -hmm. and then also have persevered and was like, wait a minute, guys, no, no, no. Here's no. This is what I need. This is what I want. This is what I feel like I, I deserve. And if I'm not going to get it with you, then I'm I'm going to get it somewhere else. And that has really um, played out really well for me. Um, and I've actually done that a couple of times. Yeah. Um, and and I guess that is the sense of knowing your worth. And the only way you can know your worth is to actually have accomplishments. So <laughs> if if you're not working hard, you're not really accomplishing and you think you should be getting something because you're a woman, well, shame on you. Uh -huh. um, but if you really have accomplishments, really have the resume, really have whatever that is, you know, and I, I often say I think sometimes it's important to stand out um, mm -hmm. a little bit and just, just to be noticed, but I might say that to a young guy who's working for me too, if, if he was to ask me, you know, what advice would you give me? Um, because I think, you know, life is competitive um, in general. I see it with all my my nephews who are coming out of college and trying to get jobs, and you know, you see it. Um, so I know we're trying to stay on target with being a woman. Um, so you know, yeah. I think sometimes that advice is very true 
in general. But it is. Yeah. With with women, what I'm saying, I would say amp that up, amplify <laughs> everything I'm saying, and just you know raise the heat. Everything yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I have one of my business mentors is, um, he's brilliant, but it, it's a man, which people think, oh, that's weird. You know, why wouldn't you have a woman business mentor? And I certainly have, you know, friends that are in high places that, that are great for me that are women, but my business mentor happens to be a guy. And I just met with him this week, and in relation to a specific issue I was kind of dealing with, he just said at the end, he's like, just know what you want and go for it. And I was driving away and I thought that is such typical guy attitude, but I was so grateful. I was like, you know, if it takes, it, if it takes the men saying that to you, then take it, you know, because it's like that, it was fabulous for me. And I don't feel like I talk to my women friends in that way that much. And it just, it, it stuck with me somehow to just know what you want and go for it. And I was like, Wow, so simple. Right, right. Well, you know what? I think there is a cultural and a programming kind of that's happened, um, you know, over the decades, you know. And so I think, you know, I mean, women, I, I think in my mother's time, you know, I mean, it just goes back each generation. And so with each generation, um, women are probably starting to think that a little differently than, mm -hmm. than we might have and that than my mother did. I think, you know, there's just... Um, in those times, you know, women were home, they took care of the family, men went and worked and went after it because okay. they had to, like, you know, feed their family and they also, I think maybe they were just more programmed into having that competitive side and that ego and so, again, it, all this stuff goes back to, you know, I, I think just cultural and, and so with that, I think our culture is definitely tipping and moving um, more in the direction of just a more openness um, of just minority diversity. Period. Right. Right. It's it, well. Who has helped you along the way? With you know, how did you develop that that attitude? You know, do you have a mentor in the past or present, um, or you fly solo? I mean, you know, I I would say you know it's interesting. The the mentors in one way were the same guys that <laughs> I felt, you know, I had to leave for more opportunity were the same guys that also helped guide me and I learned so much. But I learned a lot and I think it's probably true, a lot of people learn from watching and learn from absorbing from those people what you think is of value and maybe some of the stuff not so much, you leave that alone. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so so in a way, the, the very guys, I mean, you know, Don Law is one of, still one of the um, most accomplished promoters um, in our industry, you know, was really actually one of the real founders, they say, of the, the music, when the music business started, it started with guys like Bill Graham, Don Law, uh, Ronnie Delzer, who go back in time of really starting to build the promotion business with an agency and a very well-known agent named Frank Barcelona, who at the time had all the big, you know, the U2s and the Bruce Springsteens and Led Zeppelin and really helped start this business. And so Don, you know, learning under him and then his um, 
you know, the guy that, that really started to run his office, Neil Jacobson, learning from these guys was, you know, I mean, I got a lot out of watching them, aside from what I learned from myself. And then just, you know, I just naturally take um, in any in anything. I You know, same with sports, you know, I can watch sports and understand how to apply that when I'm doing that sport, you know. So yeah. for me, those, those mentors were the same guys in a way um, that, you know, at some point, you know, we had to part. But also a mentor for me was my mother, who for mm. sure was, became very strong in her late 40s and 50s, really became um, an industry giant in the fashion world. And so watching her sort of take on a newfound confidence um, much later in her years. But, but you know, I mean, so, so I think everybody looks towards whether it's your people that work for you or probably somebody in your family has got to be a major role model for you, yeah. I would think. How fabulous it was for, for me to, to show your son, who, what well, you said, he's seven, you know, um, he's, he's pretty young to understand your role and but I'm sure he knows you have a, a pretty big job or a really cool job I'm sure but you know what how do you feel about what you're able to show him that, that oh you it's hilarious uh, it's the best it's really funny because he'll say stuff like you know um so um since you're the boss mommy joe you know and he'll use like these words that are just really really hilarious um, why do you have to work today? I mean, you're the boss. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> you know, and then when he comes to a show, you can just tell, like, I can see on his face, like, he really knows that, you know, and everybody that works with me, we're very, um, they're very respectful and they sort of treat me, you know, yeah. like, you know, a little something, something. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. And he can see it and it's really cute. So I think it's really sweet. But he also knows that we're, um, you know, I also run in a very, like, I run an environment of, of equals, you know. And nobody really, you know. I always say, you know, I mean, as much as people might work for me, we did really work with me, you know. And he, I make sure that he understands it's not like, um, you know, that they have to do this because, you know, I don't want to like get too caught up in that, you know, spoiled sense of, you know, well, you could do whatever you want because, you know, they work for you. It's like, no, 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 they, they make all this happen with me. Right. So, yes, I'm their boss, but... Um, and that's, you know, that's the thing. That's what I, I pride myself on wanting him to see is that even when there's a president or whatever, you know, yep. that you're still, you know, it's, it's the people that you're, you know, your your team, you know, it's like, you, you know, I just look at like my <laughs> my great Warriors team just recently, you know, I yeah, mean, yeah. your teammates, man. I mean, you, maybe you've got, you've got your head of the team, but, you know, it's really, um, you know, it all comes down to, to, to everybody is contributing to um, to what happens, and so yeah, so that's that's really important that he sees that. Yeah, um, that's great, and it's cool. But it is fun to to hear him say stuff like that. Fabulous! I love you know I we started our business uh, in our garage, so the kids just saw it when they were growing up with this all around them. And you know, my youngest would say things like that all the time. It's like, well. Well, you you run this. You can just shut down for today, so that you can go to my you know thing at school. <laughs> it's like 
<laughs> you're the boss. Exactly. Do what you want, you know. So right, right. I, you can I love, do what you want. That, yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. It's almost line. the other way. Yeah, it's it's great though. Um, <laughs> you, you know, if, just just for fun, if you had to choose a different job and go a whole different track, what would it be? You know, it, I think it would have to be film, you know, producing, which is actually probably very similar to what I'm doing. Um, I think a lot of those producers are kind of pulling all the pieces together to help, you know, put on the show. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's just another area that I, you know, I feel passion for. I think any job that you at least for me, I, I think any job has to be something that is just like so passionate that so so that when I do live and breathe it, because you're going to be working hard in this world in this life, no matter what the hell you do, if mm -hmm. you know uh, if you want a certain modicum of success and and such, um, then uh, you know if you're going to be working that hard, then it should be something you love. And I know that's not true for a lot of people, and I know what a blessing it is to, to be doing something that I love. So if I wanted to choose another job, I would want to love it. Um, you know, I would want it to be something that I had such great passion for so that when I'm coming home, you know, I, you know we're, we're all going to have stress and life's going to be tough. Um, and then with all that goes on in the world, it, it plagues you you know, in your sights, you've got to feel somewhat elevated by what you do. And film is the other love, and it seems to me that my skill sets would probably, you know, lend themselves to that. So that that would seem, I never want to go in anything that I might really, you know, suck at. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know if I would suck at it. I mean, maybe I wouldn't be great, but I feel like at least I'd have some skill sets that yeah. might help me in that yeah, area. Yeah. Well, if you suck at it, you're probably going to hate it too. So, right, right, absolutely. Yeah. You bet. Yeah. Well, um, we talked a little bit about how I'm currently obsessed with festivals. Um, we talked about, you know, for me, I, I just love what's happening with the festivals that also feature outside of music, but bringing in the food and the craft beer and the wine in the area. Um, and then add that amazing music experience. You know, what do you see ahead for festivals? I know you don't work in the, more in the venue, but, you know, what do you think is, is happening in the festival market? Is it going to continue to be, you know, a big part of things? Or are they going to fall aside? What do you think? I think, you know, there's been just a massive proliferation of them, right? So at some point, you know, I think, um, you know, the best of them will will survive. And, it, it, you know, at some point there could be a lot of redundancies as more and more pop up regionally even. And so I think, um, which, which is great for the consumers, that they're going to have a lot more choices. Mm -hmm. So whereas, you know, 10 years ago they might have all had to flock to, you know, one location or another because that's all there were. Now that more are popping up, you know that that they'll be able to to maybe have more choices. So I think it's really good for the consumer. But these festivals are a fortune to put on. It's a it's a high risk business, and I think a lot of them will find themselves just you know after a while as they start to cannibalize each other, just ones that really stand out. So it could just be that specific location. There's a uniqueness to that festival, the location of it, the um, 
the region that it serves. So, you know, your, I don't know, I think it's Hangout Festival that might be in Alabama or, you know, certain locations that just are really special. Um, I think th those will, will, will be good. I don't know how many more now are going to, I think we're going to sort of see a little bit more of a, um, sort of a quieting down, kind of like a correction to what I think became just like a out of control um, amount. Because I think at some point, you know, the artists too just can't spend their lives doing just festivals. They have to be able to build on their own volition, their own, um, you know, loyalty a following like they, you know, like they always did from the beginning, which mm -hmm. is know that you can generate a hard ticket in a nightclub, in a theater, in an arena. If you want to build a career, you're not going to do it playing festivals. Festivals is a great way to get exposure, um, for sure. So it's just one, you know, I think additional tool in that toolbox. But um, you know, I I love festivals, but I too have become, you know, I mean, obviously I have almost a limited amount of time too to actually you know, do that travel, um, plus the amount of, you know, potential debauchery. I mean, I just, it can only take so much. <laughs> but aside from that, um, yeah. you know, there are certain festivals that I love. And, and in particular, I think the movement should be uh, my dream festival if I wanted to be part of another one. And I've been a real proponent. Um, I actually wanted my company to buy um, the festival uh, Bottle Rock up in Napa right. because A, it was, you know, it's just, it's a boutique festival and, you know, what I mean by that is it's 50000 or less per day, which when you get into the 80000 a day, to me, you know, for my life, it's just a little bit too, um, too many people, you know, I, I just, I prefer smaller. My, you know, dream would be half of that and maybe even half of half of that. So, you know, yeah. a 20,000 person festival where you've got a real chance to be, you know, in a com community, which is what they are, you know, in uh -huh. a communal experience, which is awesome. And then you just, you know, you have incredible food and you have, like you say, I mean, I think when you have um, the culinary aspects to, the, you know, you're marrying all the things that, that I particularly care about. Um, and, and now more and more, you know, I think you can start bringing in, you know, art installations that, that exist in a lot of them and all the things that you love, you know, you're going to gravitate towards, you know, what, what turns you on. Um, you know, individually, but for me, it would be more of the culinary um, component, the boutique component, the, yeah. you know, I think just a real nice, diverse programming. Um, and, you know, I think with the Napa Festival, there's also probably a little bit more, they tend to lend themselves into some of the heritage artists as well. So there's more of a, a hybrid as opposed to just the up, up and coming. Um, independent music. So there's just, that just, that's my, you know, melting pot of wish list yeah. um, for a festival. But, you know, the good news is that there's so many right now that can really cater to the whims of um, so many different people and what their desires are. Right. And you the know? regionals, you know, Bottle Rock is a perfect example of just making something that's so fabulous for that region. And, and you know, we have this vast country where we can have all different kinds of food and, and drink based on the region. I think those are the ones that are going to be really interesting to, to see the ones that stick. And I think, too, there's 
only so many people that want to go to a 100,000 person festival. They're always going to be out there, but it gets to a point where I don't want to be with that many people. <laughs> well, you know what's amazing when you think about that the festival culture obviously was so massive in Europe and in fact was probably there their industry, uh, their music industry was really, I think, you know, built on festivals. Right. And most of them, I believe, were a minimum of 75, right. 80. Like, yeah. like, like, you know, that was just, you know, minimum. So the glass, you know, we, <laughs> you know, we, it, you know, all those leads and, and Glastonbury and so many of them, I think. Um, are massive, and I think that for those, you know, that culture just they grew up on that, and that was what what made sense. You know, I think it's just new, um, you know, for 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 this culture, and I think the millennials too. This is like their new um, rite of passage is is are these big um, festival experiences. But for me, a little bit on the older side, mm -hmm. I'm leaning into you know the boutique mm -hmm. style. Yeah. Yep, something for everybody though. But I, it's it's a fun movement to watch. So, well, we're coming up on the top of the hour. I just I love this question just to ask you to close out. If if you looked back at twenty five year old Jody, what advice would you give to her? Um, you know, it's funny. I think it's the same probably advice that I would stop myself in my tracks back then and have to reevaluate, you know, that experience of fear in that moment of, you know, do I, you know, do I pursue this, do I not? And I think it's always, you know, following your instincts is really, you know, if somebody says, you know, the, the one key to your, um, you know, maybe your success or just, you know, how far you've come, I think it would be, um, you know, following your instincts and I always always have and you know I think when I look back um, from when I started which really was in my early 20s as well you know I just um, instinctively took you know moments that were that that came to me opportunities that came to me but that I probably also had a hand in creating and just felt like it was right. It was natural. It was, you know, it was right. So I just went with it, you know, and I think that maybe that's just, you know, that maybe I was always on this path anyway because it always seemed natural and right. If you try to force something and you try to fit into a culture, I think you have to know if you fit, you know, because mm -hmm. maybe you don't. Um, and, you know, you know, I think I always fit. I just, it always, you know, it just, just was like a calling, I guess, you yeah. know, and um, and so I would, you know, as much as I'd give that advice to, to myself now again, I would give that to anybody is just, you know, to, to ask yourself with anything, right, is, you know, do you fit? If it's natural, then it's probably, if it feels natural, but if you're really forcing it, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the go yeah. with the gut, you know. I That's a phrase that is overused, but I, I kind of just about maybe two or three years ago started making a conscious effort to listen to my gut more. It's like I would, I would have gut feelings and have instincts, and then I would shove it aside for some reason. And I started to just stop doing that. And it's, it's kind of the same thing. And following your instincts, you know, being in tune, following your gut, it's there for a reason. It's one of the advantages, I think, that we have as, 
as women sometimes in, in most cases is that we've got great instincts and great guts and um, that's fabulous advice and to know where you fit. Um, that's, that's incredible. Great advice and it's something for all of us there. So um, thank you, Jody. And we're going to just open it up if, if what you can do, if you've got the question panel for the listeners. Um, sometimes we get questions, sometimes we don't. But if, if uh, you have a sure. question for Jody, go ahead and shoot and you can type in there in that question panel and we'll see that and read that. And if not, um, we'll just wait a, a few minutes here and then we'll, we'll close it out for today. And just a reminder that we are recording uh, today's session, and just by registering, you will definitely get a link following. And please share if you feel that there was uh, great information here for um, you know other women in your life that are um, trying to make their way, and even for the men that work with them. We'd love you to share this conversation. It'll be up on SoundCloud as well um, within a couple of, a day or so, so you can go to SoundCloud.com/ticketforce, and it'll be on that page. And you know, it's good listening while you're getting ready in the morning. So, <laughs> so I'm not seeing any questions, um, and so we're going to go ahead and close it out. It could be if if you've got one, you want to email it later to marketing at Ticketforce. You can do that, um, and we'll get that to Jody. It may be that I'm just not seeing it um, appropriately here, but we just want to thank you again. Thank you, Jody. It's been a great hour. Yeah, that was fun. Thanks, Lynn. Absolutely. We'll sign off, and thank you all for attending today. And again, you'll get a link, and we hope that you share that and that you enjoyed our second episode of Succeeding in a Boys Club. And um, keep at it, and please, let's keep the conversation alive. Thanks so much, everybody.